Imagine with me for a second that you heard that someone left you some money. But for various reasons, you're thinking that, you know, it's really probably not that much money. It's probably more of a hassle to figure that out or whatever than probably what it really is. And so you kind of go on with your life because you're busy. You got a lot of things going on. And so time goes on, years go by, and then you kind of finally just decide, hey, you know what? I think I want to check in to kind of see what this really was. And so you go and you, you check about this whole thing about money that somebody left you. And uh, lo and behold, you find out to your astonishment that it's a ton of money, more money than you ever thought or imagined. I mean, you weren't even coming close to even thinking that this was even a possibility. And here you are with all of this money. And then you kind of kick yourself thinking, you know what? I went through all of my life living in poverty when in fact, in reality, I was rich the whole time. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to his friends in Corinth, uh, helping them to avoid that same kind of scenario when he wrote to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, he said, Hey, do not forget, you know, do not forget the generous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. That is a, a real possibility for us who are Christ followers to go through this life with incredible riches with God, but yet living in poverty because we don't live in those and we have an access the riches that God gives us. This is the reason why we're doing this this whole year, that we're looking at this big idea. Make the most of what you have been given. There are things that when you walk across the line of faith that God gives you in order to live a rich life. We've been talking about the words of Peter in 2 Peter 1.3, where he said, by his divine power, God has given you everything, everything you need for godly living. And you received all of this by coming to know him. That through coming to know him, God gives you riches. And what are the riches? Riches really are riches kind of in the real sort of inward sense. The riches, and what are riches? Why do we look for riches? For, for security, riches for comfort, riches for value. Feels like it gives, you know, so that your life feels like it has value to it. Um, the riches that ultimately that we all really desire to have, that oftentimes we look to the world and we look for the stuff of the world to buy for us. But in reality, Jesus Christ came into this world to give us the true riches of what we're really looking for. That you're valuable in Christ, that you're loved, that you have eternal security through your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And you have the greatest riches of them all. Because the greatest riches of them all, really, in our lives are the riches of relationships, right? We all know that relationships are really what makes our lives feel enriched. We know that because if we were to kind of just do a mental exercise and we kind of imagine ourselves on, you know, on our deathbed, we're in the hospital room, and we're at the weakest, frail part of our lives, we are not going to ask for somebody to come bring our diplomas to look at it, Right? We're not going to ask for somebody to go, hey, you know what, can you go outside and, and take a picture of my hot car so I can see it? You're not going to be calling your accountant to come in and like look at all the zeros in your account. What are you going to do? You're going to look for people who love you. You're going to surround yourself with people that you love because when you have nothing, you begin to realize that the greatest thing in life is relationships. Corey Tim Boone, who was a survivor of the Holocaust, uh, her family hid Jews. They were caught and they were sent to concentration camps. 
You know, and during her experience in that, she realized that you will never realize that Christ is all that you need until you realize Christ is all that you have. So in a concentration camp where she has nothing, not even dignity or anything, she recognizes that she does have Christ, but not because, oh, well, I have nothing, but I have Christ. Like it's a low bar thing. Like Jesus is like, well, that's all I got. It took her at that moment to realize that she has everything that she's always needed, which is Christ himself. Paul writes about this in prison when he's writing to the Philippians. I've learned the secret of contentment, of having much and having little. And the secret of that contentment is his relationship with Christ. If he has little, he is rich. If he has money in his pocket, if he has lots of money in his pocket, then he is rich, but not because of the wealth of the money, but because he has a relationship with Christ. In fact, in that same letter, he writes to them and he says to them, hey, you know what? All the stuff I have in this world, and Paul had a lot of good stuff in this world. He had, he had the pedigrees, he had the money, he had all of these things, had the wealth. And he said, you know what? I counted all as garbage that I make to Christ. Because in reality of recognizing and tasting the sweetness of the relationship with Jesus Christ, give me that all day long. And so... We are on this journey of making the most of the riches that God has given us. And, and the greatest thing is the richness of a relationship with him. Christ Jesus died not for the goal of the forgiveness of our sins, not for the goal of eternal life. He died so that through the forgiveness of our sins, we can be reconciled into a relationship with him forever. It's about the relationship. So, but we have to understand what makes a great relationship. A great relationship takes great communication, right? If you have no communication, you don't have a great relationship. That's true of, of anybody. You know, if you're married to your spouse, to your kids, to your parents, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, whatever, that great relationships always have great communication. And that's not only true in our interpersonal relationships with other people, it is true in our relationship with God. That we only begin to have a rich relationship with God and experiences the riches that God offers us, you know, once we begin to live a life of prayer. And what is prayer? Prayer is basically just a religious term of communication, talking to God. In fact, the gift of prayer that God gives us is really, truly the gift of a relationship. It's not talking at God. It's not talking to him to get stuff from him. It's ultimately to be able to have a conversation with the, with the God of the universe to know him. And to understand him. I love, you know, the, the writer, the, the psalmist in Psalm 116 too, because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. In fact, all the great ones you look at throughout human history, all the great ones had this, this really, one of the one things in common was they were people who loved talking to God. They loved it. You know, Moses wanted to see the face of God. He wanted to be intimate with God. David was a man after God's own heart. Paul was the one who said, you know, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So he talked to God. So it's all about that communication. And so Jesus gets this question. So how should we pray? You know, how should we go about prayer and, and talking to God? And last week I just talked about this a little bit about how, you know, um, there are certain conversations that we have with people. Uh, maybe it's like, you know, going on a first date. Maybe it's an interview. 
Maybe you're going to have a conversation with somebody who's like really important that kind of is intimidating. And maybe you've thought these thoughts or asked somebody the question, what should I say? What should we talk about? Well, that's kind of the same idea here when we look at the Lord's Prayer and Jesus talking about how we should pray. It's kind of this idea of if, if I'm going to have a one-on-one conversation with the creator of the universe who knows all things, is all powerful, what do we talk about? And so Jesus says, this is what you talk about. And so in Matthew chapter 6, he goes on here in verse 9 and 4, he goes, he says, he said, pray like this, talk to God like this. Our Father, remember? That we come into the presence of God Almighty, not just because he's not in the sense of just that he's God Almighty, but he's our Father. He's not just my Father, he's your Father, he's our Father who belongs in Christ Jesus, we're his kids, but he's a different Father. He's better than the worst fathers, he's better than the best fathers. He is the Father of all fathers. And so when we talk to him, we should talk to him about what is it, Father, that is important to you. Another thing that I've learned is that, you know, when you talk to somebody who is like, you know, higher up and whatever that may be, uh, of, you know, kind of importance or whatever, that when you go and, and they're willing to have a conversation with you, uh, that the, the one thing we, we shouldn't do is talk the whole time. What we should do is we should sit down and ask questions. You tell me about, you know, what should I know? What are your thoughts about these things? One, it shows respect, and it also is where we learn. So Jesus is saying when we come to our Heavenly Father, we should recognize that, man, He knows everything. He knows everybody. He is all-powerful. So when we come to Him, we should be sitting down and asking Him questions. So a lot of prayer is just processing with God. What is your kingdom like? You know, what does it mean for your kingdom to come? What does it mean to belong to your kingdom as a, as a, as a prince or a princess of the Most High King? What is your will? What does it mean, your will? What, 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 how do you think about these things? Rather than coming to God and informing him about our own opinions and our own thoughts, right? Best communication is listening and understanding. It's, it's relating to him. You know, I've heard, you know, sometimes people would say, like, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. It sounds very selfish that we come to talk to God about his kingdom and, and his will, right? But the more I kind of think about it, that when I go to God, who is the king, you know, of the kingdom of light. And when I come to him and I say, hey, king, kingdom of the light, can you help my kingdom work better for me? It doesn't work that way because my kingdom, because we live in the kingdom of what's called the kingdom of darkness. So to ask God to help us make the kingdom of darkness work doesn't jive. It only jives when we say, okay, God, you are the kingdom of light. You give me clarity in the darkness. I'm ready to step out of this darkness to understand you. You made all of this. You who are love. You who know everything. Inform me. So this is kind of the how we should approach our conversations with God. So that doesn't mean we don't ask God about, you know, things that are going on in our lives and to help us to, you know, work through some things or ask him of things. But this is kind of the grid by which we should ask him. God, Help me to understand this, this perceived need that I have in light of your kingdom. Help me to understand what I need in light of what your will truly is. Because I don't know about you, but I spent many times in my life telling God what I need. But it's taken me more maturity in my life to be able to come to him and basically say, Hey, God, you know what? It's, it's, kind, of, you know, it's kind of presumptuous for me to tell you what I need. You know, right? And it's not that you know what my needs are. It's presumptuous that, you know... Uh, what I think are my needs are truly my needs. Really, I should come to you and say, God, 
what is it that I truly need? This is what I think I need, but what do I truly need? Allow his kingdom to come, his will to be done through those kind of questions and to process that because we're going to learn so much more from him when we approach it that way rather than just leveraging God to make our lives and our kingdoms work for ourselves because our kingdoms, they just decay. His kingdom is where flourishment, thriving happens. So it's important to understand that because of the very next thing he says, because again, these aren't just things where you just kind of dot them off. These are things that he puts in, in a proper kind of order, if you will, by which how we tackle um, the things of this life in relationship with him. So I say that to say this in verse 11. This is when he says, well, give us, he says to pray like this, give us today the food we need, or the NIV, that's probably most of you guys know, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread in light of your kingdom and your will. Now, it's interesting to me. Have you ever kind of looked at this, you know, this, this prayer, and you look at it, and have ever thought like, man, that is a low bar thing. So if, if Jesus were to come to me and say, or come to you and say, hey, this is how you, when it comes to your needs in your life, this is what you should talk to God about. This is what you should say, okay? You know, give me your daily bread. It's like, wait a minute, we live in a world where there's, there's chaos, there's violence, there's cancer, there's illnesses. And when it comes to need that I come to you and I say to you, give me this day my daily bread, it seems kind of weird. So Jesus, who knows all things, he's the word of life. Why in the world would he say that this is like, we're, this is kind of our go-to, this, this low bar feeling? Well, that's one of those things that's great to process the Lord with and for you to ask him these questions. But through my life and just kind of asking those questions myself, I feel the Lord just continues to impress upon me a couple of things in my own life. Number one is, is to recognize that I never ask God for my daily bread, right? In fact, I've never felt in my whole life, I'm 51 years old, I've never felt in my whole life ever to really go, oh God, I'm starving. Just a little bread, please. You know? Usually I'm, I'm more agitated and like, God, you know what? I need more money because we're super busy and the prices at Chick-fil-A keep going up, <laughs> right? You know, but Jesus says, pray, give me this day our daily bread. So why is that? I think there's a few reasons in there. One is, is I think, first of all, is to recognize that we, you know, to realize that we are so blessed by so many things. I'm in awe of the fact that I've never had to ask God for just a piece of bread in my life. I didn't know anybody of us have ever had to do that. You know, in the 1960s and up to 1975, you know, 13% of Americans were clinically obese. Now, 43% of us are clinically obese. We're doing a lot better than just bread, you know? And it's in those moments that we should say to God, God, I am blessed beyond all belief that you are incredibly gracious to me. And it's not just these things or the things of this world. It's also to direct us what is truly our daily bread. You know, Jesus said, you know, that, you know, you know he's telling to the, the woman at the, the well, he said this water, talking about the water, he's saying that this, this water, you're going you're gonna to thirst again but I'm going to give you living water by which you'll never thirst again. You eat the bread of the things of this world, you're going to get hungry again. But if you eat of the bread of God, 
who's Jesus Christ, you'll never go hungry. Because the things that you look for in this world to satiate your hunger or your thirst, it will dissipate again and you'll be hungry again, you'll be thirsty again, you'll keep going after it over and over and over. But what Jesus is saying is come to me, I'm the da- your daily bread. That what we truly need is the intimacy of a relationship with him by which that relationship feeds us. You know, I've been in churches, you know, and for a long time, and I've heard people come, and I just said, I just don't feel like I'm being fed. You know, I want, want to feed you guys. I really do. But one of the things I've recognized in my own personal life and in your life as well is whatever I say, you know, whatever kind of sermon or communicator that I am, I'll never be able to feed you because I, I'm not supposed to. Only a relationship, a deep, profound, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ will you be fed. He's the one who feeds you. He's your daily bread. He's your living water. So to come to, to him and to say, give us our daily bread... It's not just, hey, help me in perspective to remind myself I have more than I need in this materialistic world, but really ultimately what my heart desires is a relationship with you. Mother Teresa said that the, the hardest hunger to, uh, to satiate is not the hunger of the stomach, but the hunger of the heart. Is that right? Those of us who have more than bread, doesn't our heart yearn for that sense of security and of love and being valued and cherished well, even though we have the things of this world? Absolutely. But where do we find that food? We find it in our daily relationship, our everyday relationship, our everyday eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. So we come to him and say, Lord, I have cancer, but my daily bread is you. Lord, I've lost my job, but my daily bread is you. Lord, I recognize that, you know, I'm asking you to heal me through this, but let me realize that my healing through this is not my bread. My bread is you. And thank you, Lord, that you have provided for me, that if you heal me here, then I have life. And if you don't, you've healed me for all eternity. I have everything that I need in Christ Jesus. And let me recognize that the sweetness of life is a relationship with you. As Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why? Because I, he would rather be with Christ because of that relationship with Christ. And if he's going to continue to live, that means fruitful labor for him. He is our daily bread. So when we think about that, we think about your kingdom come, your will be done. And what does it mean for your kingdom to come? It is that our king would come. Our benevolent, wise king would come into our lives by which we would step into that relationship with him and we would live in an intimacy forever. So Jesus, if you go and you go and read and take some time to read the Sermon on the Mount here where we find this, and you go on and you read Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7, what you'll see is Jesus expounds a little bit more about this prayer. And a little bit further down, he goes and he talks about you know, the, the bread that we try to find in this world, right? Isn't like, you know, another name for money is bread. You know, I'm a, the bread winner. Man. Give me some bread. You know, I'm going to roll in some dough, right? So he talks about the difference between the bread of Jesus Christ and the bread of this world. And so he goes on a few verses later in the same uh, conversation that he's having on the Sermon on the Mount. He says to the people, he says, hey, don't store up treasures here on earth. You know, 
Don't, don't be your whole life. Don't let your life, that if your life is defined by something, don't let it be defined by all the junk and the stuff that you get, right? Because ultimately what Jesus, who is eternal, knows about eternal things is that the junk of this world don't last. Seems like a weird investment then. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and, and where thieves break in and steal. And he goes on in verse 20 and he says, Store your treasures instead. The, the things that you hold valuable. Don't hold the things of this world valuable. Hold the things that are, uh, you know, hold the things that are valued to you. Let them be the things of God. Store your treasures in heaven where the stuff of this world cannot destroy. Where moths and rust cannot destroy. Where thieves do not break in and steal. Because here's the deal. This beautiful gift that we've gotten is called prayer. Guess what? We get to do forever. We get to keep talking to God forever and doing life with God forever. Nobody can take that away, but they can take our car away from us. You know, we can, the, the love that we have from God will never be taken from us. There, it will never be gone. He will always love us no matter what. But the things of this world can be taken from us. So what he's saying here is live for the things that really matter forever. The riches that God has given you, which is himself, meaning his love for you, his caretaking for you for all eternity as a good father. Treasure those things, you know? Because guess what? Ain't nobody gonna take those because if somebody takes your car, you're still loved by God. If somebody takes your life, you are still eternal. Nobody can take that away from you. You know, there's all sorts of things in this world that people can take away from us. People can take away their love from us. But ain't nobody going to take away the love of God from us. That's ours forever. So let's store that. Let's build on those things. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. He says, wherever your treasure is, there your desires of your heart will also be. Your affections of your heart. The things of this world... The kingdom of darkness, it's a bad place to find our lovers. The things of this world are bad places to find our lovers. The best place to find our lover and the desires of our heart is our good benevolent king who loves us. Amen. And that's why Jesus goes on and he talks about some other things and he gets to, you know, um, a little bit further down. And he says this in verse 32, he says, these things, the things of this world they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers and thinking because they think they don't believe God. They believe themselves and they believe that the things of this world is what's really going to make them satisfied. So they amass more things and get more selfish. It's a dog eat dog world. You got to get your own because it's all there is. And so what happens is, is it begins to create the crashes and the fading away of not only individuals, but communities and cultures, i.e. look at the Roman empire. These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Like I said earlier, have you ever prayed the prayer, God, hey, this is what I need, but you already know that because you already know all my needs. I've recognized that the kingdom of God kind of flips it on the head with me. And basically now I say, God, this is what I think I need. You tell me though what I need. Because let me tell you, there's a lot of things I thought I needed until I've begun to get to know God a little bit more. 
And the more I began to realize that if God just kept giving me all the things that I thought I need, I would never, I would continue to be spiritually impoverished and emotionally impoverished. And recognizing that the needs that I really have are not the needs of the stuff of the world, it's the needs of my heart. To have the heart, you know, where, where God strengthens it by continuing to remind me of what is truly life and life-giving in me. Okay? So that's why he says, hey, verse 33. He goes on, he says, so seek the kingdom of God above all else. Don't seek higher payment. Don't seek better cars. Don't seek better stuff. Seek the kingdom of God. And I'm not saying that, you know, you don't have a better job or more stuff or anything like that, but don't let that be the thing that you seek above all else. Because even when God blesses you with things, the kingdom of God should still be filtering us and going, okay, God, you have blessed me with these things. What do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to understand about this? Rather than, you know, leveraging you to give me more stuff, as you give me more stuff, how do you want to leverage that for your kingdom and for your good purposes? By which understanding that what you're really truly about is about relationships with you and with relationship with others, rather than for me to have relationship with my stuff. It's really what it's about. Paul was a guy that if he didn't have anything, he would use that to go and bless other people. If Paul had a lot of stuff, he would just use that stuff in order to bless a lot of people. And then he would just be processing the crud out of that all the time of what God would want him to do with all those things. God gives you all sorts of resources. It's not just monetary things. It's gifts, talents, you know, um, understandings of things. And all of these things are gifts that God really wants to hone in and bring into alignment into his good kingdom so that we can bless others, people by which we, become, we get blessed in return. It's better to give than to receive because we get to connect our hearts to other people through how God has connected our hearts with him and the blessing he's given us to go and love and serve other people. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he'll give you everything that you need, truly need. Again, it's a sleight of hand that Satan does with this. No, no, leverage God to give you more stuff. No, it's not. What it is is God... Help me to understand the things that you've given me. Help me to leverage them and those things to know you and to know it better. God is not about trying to make your life miserable. It's not it. He's a good father. He wants to make your life amazing. And that's why he goes on in Matthew chapter 7. He says this. Jesus goes on and says, You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? No, right? And then he goes on, he says, you know, verse 10, Well, or if he asks you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course you don't. You don't do that for your kids. You, know, you, want, you want your kids to be happy. You want to express your love to your kids. You want to give them good gifts, right? And then Jesus says this. I love this. So if you sinful parents, right, know how to give good gifts to your children. And we are. We're sinful people. But we do know a, a smidgen of what it means to give a good gift to somebody. So we being sinful people know how to good give to her children. Think about how a perfect father, a perfectly loving father, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? And what are the good gifts? The gifts that you and I truly need. To our earthly fathers, we may say, I want a new car. But our heavenly father gives us what do we really need? Love, acceptance, 
care, security, value, eternal life. And oftentimes we look at material things because we think that in them that we're going to get those things. And our Heavenly Father says, no, 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 no. You think that once you have all this stuff, then everything's going to be great. Now, I'm going to just give you the good stuff. But you got to trust me. As your Heavenly Father, come and ask me for peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Come to me to ask for security and love and wisdom. And I will give it to you like nobody's business. The things that you're truly, if you take the time to really think about what is it I'm really asking and needing in my heart, I will give them to you. But you can only receive them if you come to me and say, you give me what I need because I know that you know what I need. And we do that through prayer. All of those things are through prayer. We're a bunch of mixed bag. We're greedy. We're selfish. We also want to be generous. We're all of these things. And then we're all these mixed bags by which sometimes we get really confused about how we walk that out. And does that mean I just give everything away and I just live in abject poverty? Blah, 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 blah. And here's the thing. A lot of times we tend to look for rules and regulations on that stuff. You know what the Lord is at, looking for? He's looking for you and I just to process those things with him. Because when we do that, guess what we're doing? We're having a relationship. And that means a lot. And through that processing, God does things in our hearts by which gives us peace, by which we begin to make those movements of wherever he wants us to go, by which really flourishes our heart. But at the end of the day, more than anything, it's not about, hey, just give me the rules, give me the regulations, and I'll just kind of do it and go on with my life. No, the richness of life is to go through all of these struggles and chaos and mixed baggage in our own life to process those things out with God. And that's the gift, to do that with him, by which in his infinite wisdom, he gives us the knowledge and understanding of what we truly need. And we, our lives begin to bend and change as we step out in faith, as we're getting to know him, as we're getting to process with him, and we begin to see him in different ways. His good and pleasing and perfect will, his good wisdom, in the fullness of our heart. Psalm 9:10 or Psalm 16:11 uh, I should say. You show me the way of life, life in the fullness. You show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's the prayer and the communication that we'd be talking to our Father and giving us our daily bread. Father, we come to you. We come to you recognizing that you're our Father and that you love us. Obviously you do. Uh, you wouldn't continue to persevere with us if you didn't. You wouldn't go to the, the full length of sending your one and only son, your most prized possession son, into this world to sacrifice his life for us so that we can have a relationship with you. It means a lot to you. Father, first of all, I'm just going to confess to you that I confess to you that my relationship with you um, at times um, has not been that important to me. I've been distracted or I come to you looking for things rather than having that relationship with you. But Father, it's my desire. You know that I'm a mixed bag. You know that's what I really want, to experience the true treasures of knowing you and knowing you deeply. So I pray that your spirit would just continue to 
work in my heart and work in my lives and all of our lives to remind us of the good blessing of just knowing you and to continue to come into your presence, Lord. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. At this moment, if you're a guest, if you're new here, we'd like to take a little space of time just to really connect with the Lord one-on-one or in community as well, rather than just hearing and talking about prayer, that we would actually talk to him. That's a good thing, right? And so what we will just encourage you to do, there's a few things that you can do in this moment, in this kind of this space. One is you can just stay right where you are, just talk to God. And I, my encouragement to you, no matter where you are in your relationship with him, maybe you don't even really have a relationship with him, I would just ask, hey God, just speak to my heart. If you're out there, for those of you who you know, have a relationship with the Lord and maybe it just where you are, just ask God just to you know, exercise that muscle, that relationship with him. One of the things the Bible says that two or three gathered together, he is with us. There's something powerful about when children come together with their parents to talk together as a family. And that's what we do here on the crosses over here. We'll have some of our elders and uh, spouses and some people there to be able to pray with you. There's something powerful with going to somebody and asking them to pray over you as well. And then we have communion on our sides here. Communion reminds us how important that relationship is to God. The sacrifice of his son, the giving up of his body, the shedding of his blood, by which we can eat of the bread, drink of the juice, and be filled with his love and his grace in our lives there. And in the back as well, we have our our baskets there for our tithes and our offerings to say to the Lord, Lord, you know what? All things come from you. I trust you in that. And I want to walk that out and may your kingdom come and may you use this to multiply it into the lives of other people as other people have done so by which they've given to this place by which it's impacted my life. So Father, wherever we may be and however we may move here, I pray more than anything that your spirit would speak to us deeply and profoundly that we would know that you truly are the living God. It's in your son's name I pray.